The topic today is going to be comparing two cases that are back-to-back in the Torah, the case of Mosi Shemra and the case of Na'ara HaMe'orasa. So we already know about Mosi Shemra. If the man accuses his bride of having cheated on him after the Kiddushin, before the Nisuin, while she is a na'ada and a betula, if all those uh, requirements are fulfilled, then there's a special law of sikilat in front of her father's house. Okay, those are pesukim here, 20 and 21. Pesuk 22 is talking about standard adultery for an adult, which is uh, chenek. Um, it doesn't say chenek, but so, so without saying anything, we assume it's chenek and not sikilat. Okay, so that's uh, that's for that's important to know that a default for adultery is hainik. But the next one is what we're going to deal with today. A woman is engaged to a man, and she is a betula, and then someone finds her in the city and uh, lies with her. So since it's in the city, we're assuming that it was consensual on her part. Not uh, true if it's Basadeh, where we assume that uh, she was raped. If she was raped, then she gets no punishment. But if she consented to it, then she does get punished. Then both he and her are taken to the gate of the city, so different from the previous law where it's the gate of the father's house, here is the city, and uh, they are stoned. If in the city and she objected, she should have screamed out, and then someone would have uh, saved her. And the man, because he committed adultery with uh, someone else's uh, wife. They're not married yet, but Arusa is already uh, sufficient to be called a wife uh, for the for, for this law of adultery. Okay, so the difference between this and Mosi Shemra is that here she is found by witnesses, right? Witnesses must have seen that they committed this act, and it's not the husband who is accusing her based on the lack of betulim. Uh, so therefore, uh, this is uh, this here. B- both of them get sekila. So that's what they have in, some, uh, in have in common. Although here it's the gate of the city, um, and the previous one is where the husband claims, "Hey, I, you, there was no betulim here." And if that's true, what he said, um, uh, then then also sikila on the at the father's house. All right. So now we're about to see our two baraitot. Here's the quick outline of the sugya that we're going to see. We're going to see um, one baraita, which is going to mention this law of na'arame orasa. And it's going to say that, yeah, this law of sikila applies only if she's punished while she's a na'ara. Once she grows up and becomes a bogeret, then she gets the regular punishment of an adult, which is hayanik. Now that's, uh, okay, so that's baraita one. Then we're going to see another baraita, that talks about the slander, Mosi Shemra, where, whether it's Na'ara or Bogeret, it's both Sikila. Well, see, Na'ara, the Mosi Shemra, um, yeah, okay, so that's the, so that's going to be a question. Uh, how come Na'ara Morasa, if she gets the punishment when she's grown, it's Chenek, but for the case of slander, when if she grows up, then it's still Sikila, no matter what.
All right, so that's going to be the uh, the challenge. We're going to have three answers to it. So let's begin. Tane Shela Shela. This is the first Badaita. We could refer to it as Shela's Badaita. Says Shalosh Midot Benaara. A Naara who uh, goes astray ha- can be judged in three different ways depending on the particulars. If witnesses came while she was in her father-in-law's house. Uh, meaning she's already married because when you do Kiddushin, she stays at her father's house. And then once Nisuin happens, Nisuin by definition is that the groom brings her from her house to his his house, to his father's house. They would live in the little clans and that's the standard that the man stays in his house and the woman moves to his house. So if the witnesses come and say um, that while she is in her father's house, her father-in-law's house. She's already married. And says that before the marriage, she had committed adultery when she was, um, when she had Kiddushin. And that case, we, we uh, stone her at, her at the entrance of her father's house to say, look what this kind of daughter that you brought up um, and uh, so she would get sekila. That first case is an application of Mosi Shemra, even though it's witnesses that came and not the husband himself who's claiming, hey, there's no Betulim, it's equivalent in the sense that she is a Na'ara the whole time and she is accused after the marriage. Um, uh, rather than before. The second case is the regular Nadam Odasa case. So now witnesses come while she's in her father's house. In other words, before Nisuin, after Kiddushin. So she's in her father's house and witnesses come before the before she gets married, and say, hey, you committed adultery. In that case, Soklin Ota Al That is the second law in uh, Devarim that we saw. And here are the Pesukim once again, that and someone finds them in the city. And so that Sikila is going to be at the gate of the city. Okay, so that's two cases. The first one, again, is, uh, is the Mosi Shemra case, where the witnesses or his accusation happened after the marriage. And the second case is when the witnesses come before the marriage. Um, okay, and that's both sekila, but the difference is where. The third midah is sarcha ul basof pagra tidon behayanek. If she was, if she went astray and uh, committed adultery when she was a naara during nisuin, during kiddushin, um, but she became an adult, she passed her twelve and a half birthday. In the meantime, uh, in that, and she sentenced after that. In that case, she is treated like an adult, regular adult, who gets commits adultery, gets chanek. So in other words, the first two cases are when she sins as a na'ara and she's sentenced as a na'ara, then she gets sekila. But if she's sentenced as a bogeret, then the law is chanek. All right, that is, that is Shela's first badaita. We ask, lememra de kol megufa. Uh, so now, according to you, this Shela, you're saying that anytime her body changes, meaning that she becomes an adult, uh, for goes from 12 to 12, from 12 and a half uh, and above, 
So then her death penalty also will change. If he's Nara, Sikila. If she's a Bogeret, she gets Hanek. That's what we just said. Urmin he, but we have a challenge from a second Beraita. Nara Maorasa Shizinneta. Umisha Begra Hosi Aleha Shemra. If she was a Nara, Maorasa. It has to be a Nara, Maorasa, and Betula in order for the whole law of um, uh, of Mosi uh, Shemra to uh, apply. So here we so regarding Mosi Shemra, if the sin happened while she was a Naara, but the marriage did not happen until she became an adult. And so they consummate the marriage and she is a she is a bogeret, he's Mosi Shemra, who enolokev sekila. So because now she's an adult, so the law of Mosi Shemra does not apply to him. We'll see why. He does not get the usual lashes that he would get if he falsely accuses her and the hundred sela that he would have to pay if he falsely accuses her. But nevertheless, she um, gets gets sikila, even though she is now an adult, meaning that it doesn't matter that she became an adult. We still apply the punishment because she sinned when she was an ara. We had here another, uh, parenthetically, zomemeha, if there are uh, witnesses that turn out to be Edim Zomimin, and they say, oh, we know that she committed adultery while she was an Ara, if they're found to be Edim Zomimin, they get the same punishment that she would have gotten, uh, and which is also Sikila. So uh, literally it reads, she and the Edim Zomimin both get Sikila. We clarify this. Both of them get Sikila, one or the other. Either if once we find them to be Edim Zomimin, we know they're we know they're lying. They get killed. She wouldn't get killed. And if she already got killed, then we don't apply the law of the Dimzomim anymore. So only one or the other. Yeah, that's what I mean. Ella ohi sekila. One or the other gets sekila. So that is our question here. Let's look at the chart. But item number one, which is talking about Nara uh, Meorasa. Um, and actually, the first Baraita is talking about both. The first clause is Mosi Shemra, second clause is Narama Orasa. But then the third clause says, in either case, when she is a Naara, yeah, she gets Sekila. But when she's a Bogeret, she gets Hainik, right? If the sentencing happens at the time of, uh, of Bogeret, or the accusation happens. When she's a Bogeret, she gets Hainik. Baraita 2 says that. When it, that's the case, it's the case of slander, says Naara, she gets sekila. But if she's a bogeret, she also gets sekila. Just that he, his punishment is is different. Uh, so now, how are we going to deal with this contradiction? What's the law? Does becoming a bogeret change? Right, changing her body is the the language that we use. Does that change the outcome of her punishment or not? Uh, all right, so let's, we're going to see now three answers. Let's just look at what they are. Rava is going to say that um, that Mosi Shemra is a chidush, and it's different from the norm. So we have to distinguish here between uh, those two laws. Okay, so let's see how he applies that. Amar Rava, Mosi Shemra ka'amart, shane Mosi Shemra de chidushu. The second baraita that you're questioning from is about Mosi Shemra. You bring from that, Mosi Shemra is uh, is different than, than usual. Usual, someone who's a bogeret, will get Hainik. But Mosi Shemra 
is different kind of by definition because necessarily the accusation is going to happen after she gets married. Now going from from Mikudeshet to Nisu'ah is also a fundamental change in her legal status. And even though now she is Nisu'ah, she left her father's house, and that is in a way becoming an adult. So it's kind of equivalent to becoming a Bogedet by age. And yet, built into Mosi Shemra is the law of Sekila. So that's so. Therefore, um, just like since it, just like after she's married, she gets sekila. So too, after she becomes a bogeret, she gets sekila for Mosi Shemra. That's the difference. Um, and so, therefore, the for the second beraita is talking about Mosi Shemra. The first one was talking about Naada Meorasa. Uh, so now here's the proof that Mosi Shemra is fundamentally different. In the case of Naram Orasa, Namosi Shemra, if she enters the marriage canopy and she did not yet consummate the marriage, the marriage with her husband, Vezinta, um, and she commits adultery, she gets chenek, even though, in other words, uh, because now she's married. In other words, the change in, ma- the change in marital status has an effect on a na'adam orasa. And therefore, you see na'adam orasa, any change in her status, whether it's an age change or a marital status change, will remove her from sikilav na'adam orasa into the chenek of a regular adulterer. The marital status change does not change the punishment. She's now married, but doesn't matter. She still gets sekila. So too, even though she becomes a bogeret, also, if it's a Mosi Shemra case, she would also get sekila. So that's Rava's argument. Uh, fundamentally different. Amar le, uh, rather, Mosi Shemra is exceptional. Amar le, Rav Huna, Bered Rav Yoshua, le Rava. So, Rav Huna, the son of Yoshua, objects and says, Dimachi Hadid Rachamana, Hechadelaish Tane Gufa, Abalechadish Tane Gufa, La Hadid Rachamana. He says, You didn't really argue anything, Rava. Maybe you're right, Mosi Shemra is a Chidush. But maybe the chidush is only when she has a legal status change. She goes from arusa to nisu'ah. That's the chidush, even though she is now nisu'ah. And usually, in the case of Nadam Orasa, a case that when once she becomes an adult, well, that once she becomes married, yeah, that changes. Goes from sikila to chenik. The chidush of Mosi Shemra is regarding a legal status change, even though she's married now. She still gets sekila. But who said that that also means that the Torah went as so far to make an extra chidush that a change in her body, meaning a change in her age, go, passing her 12 and a half mark, going from Nada to Bogedet, who says that also um, would not change the outcome, right? Maybe that's no different. It's not, not exceptional in that case. So your proof is really not a proof and really... Uh, conceptually, they should be the same law. Nada Morasa and Mosi Shemra should have the same law. So back to the question. So now we're going to have a second answer. The second response is going to be that it's actually a machloket between two Tanaim. The, these two Baraitot, Baraita 1, Baraita 2, are by different, uh, a different set of Tanaim each. And so here we have the machloket that they are arguing about. 
ditnan. Whether a change in, uh, in, in status or changes one's uh, legal outcome or not is subject to a machlok between two tanaim and a mishnah in Masechet Horayot. That's talking about a Kohen Gadol or a king who sins. Now, we know that a Kohen Gadol or a king who sins brings a different korban than a commoner who sins. But now the question is, what if the sin, that's only if the sin happened after they became a king or became Kohen Gadol, then they bring the special korban. What if they sinned before they became a king, but only now are bringing the korban after? What do they bring? They sinned before they became appointed to, let's say, Kohen Gadol. And then they became appointed after. Tanakama says they bring the regular sin offering uh, that they would have brought before, which is um, a, a female sheep or goat. Uh, that's the commoner. And not the bull that a, that a Kohen Gadol would usually bring. Um, okay, right. So, in other words, it goes by the time of the sin, not by the time that they bring it. In other words, a change in status does not change the legal outcome. So Tanakama here would be the same as the second Baraita that says Nada or Bogeret, they get Sekila no matter what, because a change in legal status here, change in age, does not change the outcome, just like for Kohen Gadol, the change um, in legal status does not change their Korban, they still bring the same Korban as they would have before we go by the time of the sin. Whereas Rabbi Shimon disagrees with Tanakhama and says, "Im no dalehem nitmanu hayavim nitmanu peturim." He says, "Depends on the knowledge. When did they become aware that they had sinned? If they became aware before they be- so they sinned and became aware that they sinned before he was appointed to become Gohen Gadol, then he has to bring one like a commoner." But but if he if he sinned, then he became came Gohen Gadol, and then he realized that he sinned, he became aware of it. Then Peturim he does not bring the the uh, the chatat of an offering, the chatat offering of a commoner. So we see according to him that a status change does change the outcome, and therefore he uh, he would be the um, the author. Uh, he would agree with Shela, the author of the first Baraita, that a status, a, a legal change from Nadab to Bogedet does change the status, just like this Kohen Gadol. Now he became Kohen Gadol, he no longer brings the Korban of a commoner. So that's uh, Rav Nachman by Yitzchak's uh, answer, that uh, the Baraitot are, have a machloket, they're two different opinions that we can identify. Uh, but then we reject this because we, we only know from this Mishnah that Rabbi Shimon requires also awareness. In order to be uh, liable to a Korban as a commoner, he has to have done the sin and be aware of the sin before he becomes Kohen Gadol. Then he then even it, when he's bringing it, he brings it as he did before. So really, the status change does not change anything. Um, does he say that we follow only the knowledge, um, uh, uh, only the time that he's aware? Well, see, if, if, if he was saying that, then if he sinned before, became Kohen Gadol, 
then became aware after, he should have to bring a pod like a Kohen Gadol brings. But that's not the, what, what it says. Uh, when uh, If the sin was before and the awareness of the sin was after became Gadol, he brings nothing. Um, if you really thought that a legal change uh, changes the status of the punishment, so then fine, go by the, um, the, the time of the awareness and let him bring a korban as a uh, king, a king which, uh, uh, as, a, as a kohen mashuach, kohen gadol, who brings a pod, or as a king who brings a sa'ir, but that's not what Abishimon said. He just says, no, well, we can't apply the commoner because he only became aware after. So he brings nothing. So therefore, even Rabbi Shimon uh, uh, would actually agree that a, a status change does not change the outcome and he does not get the new punishment of a new person. In other words, a bogeret would not get chenek. And so therefore, uh, we reject Rav Nachman Ba'ishak to say that this is a machloke between Tanaim Instead, we offer a third uh, answer. Rabbi Yochanan told the Tana, Tana here meaning the professional reciter, who was reciting that first Beraita of Shela, when he said it in front of Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, oh, you better correct your language. Tidon um, So here, when the Tana quoted the Beraita as we have it, Nada gets sekila. Bogeret is chenek. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, change the word. You heard it wrong. And Bogeret also gets sekila. And by doing that, you see that the two Baraitot actually agree 100% um, that the change in status, in fact, does not change the outcome. It remains sekila. Okay, now ve'amai. Okay, fine. We'll accept your change, Rabbi Yochanan, but still, you have to explain the reason for your change. How do you fit it with the Pasuk? Pasuk says, only a Nadam Orasa gets stoned. But now she's not a Nadam Orasa. Since the Pasuk has extra the Naara. What do you mean, the Naara? The one who had been a Naara. Nevertheless, gets sekila. So here, the word hanaada actually appears in both contexts. Hanaada in uh, the um, in the Naram Orasa case uh, appears twice. Naaki naada. No, that's just naada. Here is hanaada, um, and it also appears up here. regarding the Mosi Shemra. Okay, so no matter which one, uh, it's going to apply to even someone who is a bogeret. All right, so now, yeah, okay. So the Bi'ila said, we learned from Hanara, even one who, someone who is now bogeret, as long as she had been a Na'ara, she gets sekila. But Rabbi Hananya tells him, If so, Hanara comes to include even someone who used to be an Ara, we apply the law of Mosi Shemra. Then why don't you apply it also to the man? Right? We saw above that, that in this case, the man does not have to, if she's a Bogeret, um, in the meantime, and uh, so now the marriage, the consummation of the marriage happens as a bogeret, and he falsely accuses her because she's a bogeret. He does not get lashes and does not have to pay a fine. But if you're now saying Hanada includes someone who became a bogeret who gets sekila, so then he should also get his punishments.
So Rabbi Elah said to him, "May the merciful one save us from your opinion, right? You're 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 totally wrong. I can't even tell you what's wrong with you, right? Save us from God, save us from your opinion." Uh, there's a blog like that. Rabbi Chanina said the opposite. May God save us from your opinion. You have nothing to base yourself on. All right. So now they. Uh, 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 resorted to attacking each other in this way, but we want to know, Vitamamai, okay, what actually is the answer? Why would you separate, make a distinction between her punishment and his punishment? Let's focus on exactly what the sin is that each of them did and when it happened. Uh, for her, it's her action that she, if, if she did, in fact, uh, um, commit adultery, it's her action that caused her to be punished. He, it's his bending of his lips, meaning uh, making a false accusation uh, that causes him to deserve a punishment. Now, her action when she was, when she, uh, was led astray, committed adultery. She was a na'ara at the time of adultery. Therefore, she will be punished as a na'ara, sikila. Ze akimat sefatav garmulo emat bogeret havai. Whereas the false accusation of his crooked lips, when did that sin happen? That sin happened after the marriage, which was after she became, if it was after she became a bogeret, then so his sin happened when she's a bogeret, not a na'ara. And therefore, he is punished according to the law that would be had she been, um, she is a bogeret. So really, the difference in uh, punishment is a consequence of the time difference between her sin and his sin. I mean, only one of them sinned, but in a case where she sinned, she would get a sikila because the adultery happened during a na'ara. Whereas if he's the one that sins, falsely accuses her, he does not get a punishment because that happened as a bogeret. He would get punished if she's still a na'ara. All right, good. Now, we um, resolved, uh, we have three ways of resolving that, and now we see another braita. Tenur banan. Now we want to know where the different uh, types of uh, this, of, of uh, stoning happened. So if it's a Narama Orasa and she committed adultery um, as a, as a Nara and now she's accused after the marriage, this is the Mosi Shemra case, and she gets stoned at her father's the entrance of her father's house. But if she doesn't have a father's uh, entrance of a father's house, she has no father or he has no house, then it doesn't mean you get away with Sikila altogether, but instead you go to the city gate. But if it's a mostly a non-Jewish uh, city, then you can't you can't call the city gate Sha'arecha, your city gate, because it's mostly not yours. So then in that case you go to the entrance of the courthouse. The courthouse is kind of like the local establishment of the Jewish authority. And so that's the, the public place. So it's the equivalent of the um, entranceway to a Jewish city. That's the main thoroughfare. That's also where the elders would sit 
at the gate entrance. So that is equivalent, if you don't have that, uh, to the entrance of the Betin. Another punishment that's similar, that also gets sikila, also at the gate, is someone who commits idolatry. So we, punish, we uh, stone him at the gate of the city where he sinned, right? The city where he committed uh, worshipped idolatry, that's where he gets punished. But similarly there, if it's a city that's mostly non-Jews, then we go to the entrance of the Betin instead. All right. What is the source for this law? How do we know that he goes to um, the, the gate of the Betin if it's a city that's all non-Jews? So we learn it from this following Baraita. So Baraita says, you go to your gates, that's the gate where you actually committed the sin. Wait, how do you know that it should be the gate of the city where he committed idolatry? Maybe it should be the gate of the city where he is judged. It says the word Sharecha twice in the paragraph, which I'll show you in a second. It says it below regarding the sentencing and it says it above regarding the sinning of idolatry, just like it said above as talking about where he committed the sin. So too, the Sharecha said below would be the same gate where he worshipped the idols. Um, it's in that city. So we're talking about these Pesukim here. And Devarim 17, if you find someone Bachad Sha'arecha and any of the settlement your settlements, uh, which sounds like it's talking about in Israel, where most of the settle the settlements are going to be Jewish settlements, uh, that Hashem is giving giving you, and you find someone who did something terrible and he went and, and uh, worshipped idolatry, uh, bowed down to the sun, the moon, and so on. And you hear about it and you check it out, and it turns out to be true. So this is the second Sharecha where the where the punishment happens. So since it says the word Sharecha twice, it must be talking about the same place. Therefore, if possible, you have to do it in the city of the um of, of the uh sin and not the not the um city where the judgment happens. That's one thing we learn from it. Davadachir or another. Alternative explanation is, Yes, you stone him in your city gates, uh, in Israel, Israelite cities, but not in non-Jewish cities. So there you go. This is the derivation. It has to be your city, not a non-Jewish city. So if it is a non-Jewish city, then you kind of revert back to the possibility of the Betin, which is, a, which is the representative of the Jewish authority within the city. Now, now we have a question. How could you learn two different things from one baraita? The truth is that in Tanetic sources, they do often learn two things, even two halachot, from one source, from one pasuk. But Tamud Bavli has a different methodology and says no one-to-one -one relationship between every pasuk and every uh, law that we learn from them. So we already learned one thing from the Sha'arecha, that it's a city where you committed the idolatry and not the sentencing. So how could you learn another thing that has to be a Jewish city. If so, only one to only learn one thing. Could have in the singular, but is in plural. So actually, we can learn two halachot from one word.
Now we know that that's true for Abu Dazara and Naram Orasah. And how do you know regarding the stoning of Naram Orasah, which was also done at your city gates? Um, how do you know that if it's a non-Jewish city, that also you would do it at the entrance of Bedin? Amar bi Abhu, Gamar petach mi petach, u petach mi sha'ar, ve sha'ar mi sha'arecha. Because we'll learn the word petach that talks about, uh, uh, that's petach regarding the Mosi Shemra, um, uh, that is at, in front of the gate of the fat the entrance to the father's house. So that's Petach. And we're going to learn the word Petach from another place where it says Petach regarding the Mishkan, where it says in Devarim, here's the Pasuk, uh, Petach Sha'ar He Chaser. So you said the word Petach and Sha'ar back to back. So therefore you know that those are equivalent. And from using that as a bridge, and we can learn the word Sha'ar from Sha'arecha that's used in the word in the context of idolatry. Therefore, just like regarding idolatry, if it's a non-Jewish city, then you can have to go to the court. So to regarding Mosi Shemra, if it's a non-Jewish city, uh, then you'll end up having to go to the entrance of the court house. Alright, last So the Tanakama gives us a standard law, Mosi Shemra, his punishment is lashes and he has to give a hundred Sela. And this would be true no matter what, whether the man consummated the marriage or whether he did not. If he makes this false accusation after the chupa, after the marriage ceremony, he gets his punishment even if they did not have bi'ah. The Biyuta says no. The lashes he gets no matter what. He gets the lashes just for accusing her. But the 100 selah payment he only pays if the, the husband consummated, had bi'ah with her, then he pays. But if he never consummated, then not. Ideas, the idea is like uh, uh, the um, uh, the other cases of the uh, rapist and seducer. They're paying 50 shekel. That's because they cause her to lose her bitulim. So they got to pay this fine. So this guy also, if he falsely accused her, but he never slept with her. So he didn't cause her to lose her bitulim. So he shouldn't have to pay the fine. The malkut, though, the lashes is he did something dangerous. If they believed him, they would have taken her out to be a stone. So he still deserves the sikila according to Rabbi Yehuda. Now, this machloket about whether it matters uh, whether the the, the man, uh, the husband, had bi'ah or not is equivalent to a machloket that we're going to see on the next stuff. Where uh, now we're just assuming that you know it already, uh, but it's a, it's the same idea. That's exactly what they say in the Brayta. Says that you get both punishments: the lashes and the hundred selah. Whether the man consummated or did not consummate the marriage, uh, he still gets it if he is Mosi Shemra and he's lying. Over there it says, and that Baraita is going to say that uh, the law of Mosi Shemra only applies if there was Bi'ah. 
Um, so the Buda is uh, would can follow to be Eliezer Ben Yaakov and say, well, oh, that's true for the mandatory payment only if there's bi'ah, not if there's no bi'ah. But regarding the Malkut, that's his interpretation of Rabbi Ben Yaakov. That happens no matter what. He deserves Malkut. Okay, all this is one way to match up this baraita and the baraita of Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov. But there's another way. Actually, you could explain how both opinions of this baraita are within Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov. Who says that the law applies only if there was bi'ah? According to this, the um, uh, the kama uh, here uh, are not saying that are not like rabbanan that say you get these both punishments no matter what, whether you had bi'ah or not. They're actually saying the opposite. They're saying they're being the most lenient and saying that. Um, you get both punishments only if um, uh, if there was bi'ah. Right, only if there was bi'ah, not no matter what, only bi'ah. So that would be one interpretation of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Rabbi Yehuda says, oh, I also agree with Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov that it does matter whether you had bi'ah or not, but that makes a difference only regarding the fine but regarding the lashes, you get that you get it no matter what. So here, this is a either more lenient or less lenient interpretation within Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov. Okay, so two completely different ways of understanding the Rabbanan of that first Baraita. Now, question within Rabbi Yehuda. Does Rabbi Yehuda really think that you're going to get lashes no matter what, whether there was bi'ah or not? If the husband has bi'ah with his new bride, then and he, and he falsely accuses her, then he does get lashes. But if they did not consummate, he does not get lashes. So that means he should be like the totally more lenient opinion that you don't get anything if there was no bi'ah. So Rabbi Nachman Baisak says, you're right, really, in essence, Rabbi Yudha agrees with, with um, the Rabbanan uh, this, in this interpretation that says if there's no bi'ah, there's no law of Mosi Shemra at all for him. He doesn't get lashes and he does not have to pay. Rather, when the Buddha says that he gets lashes, that's only the Rabbanan, uh, for being rebellious. Anytime someone does something that's rebellious against the court, no good. So the rabbis have the right to say, yeah, you deserve Malkut. So he defamed his wife. This is not the official Doraita law of Basishimra, but the rabbi said, you deserve it. That's what the Buddha meant. And so that's why it makes sense to distinguish why, really, on a Doraita level, none of the laws apply. Okay, another similar way of uh, interpreting Rabbi Yehuda is that he's not talking about Malkut, Malkut Rabbanan, but rather payment. Uh, and that Baraitata says if he um, had Bi'ah, he gets lashes. It didn't mean literally lashes, it means he has to pay. Now, does lashes mean payment? Would you call payment lashes? Yes, we do. And here's a Mishnah that, in fact, does use that, or Baraita, that, in fact, uses that language. Someone says, I want to pay half of my valuation. He's saying, I'm going to donate to the Beta Mikdash. Um, half of, he can say, my entire valuation. Or he can say he wants to give only half. Noten hasi erko. 
Uh, he can he gives only half. That's the first opinion. says no. For doing that, he gets malkut and he has to give his full amount. Now why am I? What do you mean? Why should he get lashes? No, he doesn't mean literally you get lashes and you also pay. He means you get lashes, means you get a punishment of having to pay full. Even though you only donated half of your value, you nevertheless have to pay the full value. So here's a case where when you say lashes, it doesn't mean literally lashes, it just means getting a severe penalty. Um, but actually, it's paid by money. Now, final point, why would you have to pay for your entire worth if you only donated half of your worth? Because we make a gezera. Although, technically, if you give half of your valuation, that is valid. But, it's, someone might come and make a mistake and say, I want to give a full valuation of half of myself. And that's different than a half of a valuation. Because if I evaluate my entire being, fine, I'll pay half. But to evaluate half of myself, well then, which half are you talking about? Which half? Is it uh, the, if it's the top half, well then, my life depends on my top half, right? So, or is it the half of, you know, just limbs that I, my life does not, does not depend on? And so, since you don't specify which, so saying I'm donating a valuation of half of myself, and half, that half might include, uh, essential organs and so if I would donate them then I would not be alive anymore therefore uh, he has to pay for his entire worth and so that's the reason why someone who donates half of his worth still has to pay his entire worth um, uh, because of that Gezerah. Baruch Adonai Amen